Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. You are listening to episode 307 of Sexology Podcast. Today we're going to talk about everything you need to know if you are considering to going to a sex club. Before I tell you about our conversation, I wanted to make sure that you know that this is the last week that you can sign up for our upcoming workshop, which is the seven tactics for achieving optimal performance without medication. This is for men in relationship. And in this workshop, I will teach you my best strategies and tips on how to be able to get a firm erection. How will you be able to maintain an erection? And we're going to talk about more importantly, how you can please your partner. Because sometimes even the thought of not getting erection can create frustration in our relationship. It can lead us to avoid sex. And we're almost at the new year. And you want to make sure that you're setting yourself for successful relationship next year. I know many people make New Year's resolution, but if you want to be able to have a wild, fun, sexist Valentine's Day, well, you have to start working on cultivating skills that will help you to have a different type of experience. There are two dates for the workshop. You can attend them live or you can watch the replay. The content will be the same on both days, but I just want to make sure I know we have lots of international listeners and I wanted to make sure that you guys have a option of choosing the time that would work the best for you. And also, this is a last time this year I'm offering this workshop. So if you're curious about it, make sure you are checking it out. In today's episode, guest is Keely Rankin. And we're going to talk about what you can expect when you're going to a sex club. We're going to talk about how you can find the right sex club in your area. We're going to talk about what you need to discuss before with your partner, if you're going with a partner. And we're going to talk about like some of the etiquettes related to having a good time. Because for most people, it's a new type of experience and you want to be able to take advantage of it. But you also want to make sure that you're doing it in a way that wouldn't necessarily embarrass you or make someone else uncomfortable. Our guest today is Kelly Ranking, featured in publications like HuffPost and Opera Magazine. She calls herself a pleasure advocate and a sexypreneur. Kelly is a sex and relationship coach based in San Francisco, California. She works with individuals and couples who want to embrace their innate desires, build sexual confidence, and fully realize their sexual potential. Keely received her master's degree in counseling psychology. She trained in Hakomi therapy and recreation of the self. For seven years, she worked closely with the world-renowned author, and transpersonal psychotherapist who coined the phrase spiritual bypass, John Wellwood. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Keely Rankin. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to welcome Keely Rankin, our show. Keely, welcome to our show. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here and so excited to get into this topic with you and your listeners. 
Well, this is one of the topics that I'm very excited to talk about. I, I was just sharing with you that this is my sixth year of podcasting, but we haven't talked about sex club as much. So when I know that's something that's part of your services and kind of like the packages you offer clients, so tell us how did you get into doing this work? Yeah. So I am a sex and relationship coach based out of San Francisco in California. And I work with couples and individuals all around pretty much anything related to pleasure, relationships, eroticism, connecting with their, with bodies. And I was focusing a lot originally in my practice on male performance struggles and created a course on that. And it's a pretty heavy topic and there's a lot at stake and a lot of people come in and there's a, there's a, a really heaviness to it. And so as my practice started to expand, one of the things I really loved doing with my partner, but I knew that there was room, at least I want to phrase this. So one of the things my partner and I do for fun is go to sex clubs. He's French. So we're mainly doing those in Paris and we would go and we, we had amazing connected sex at the hotel before or wherever we were before, I guess, technically sometimes his family's house, but we would go to these sex clubs and we'd feel slightly, well, actually more than slightly, like pretty disconnected. Like we'd come, we'd be there and something would feel off and we're like, well, we're supposed to be having fun. And I was coming home one day, I was flying home one day and I was thinking, what is going on? We're this really, really connected couple. We have a lot of tools, a lot of skills. Think of myself sort of like expert-ish, at least a little more than the average person around sexuality. And it dawned on me, I was like, well, if this is happening for us, this has to be happening for a lot of couples. And I, I just, I was like, well, it must be so disappointing to finally get to the place for an average couple to go to a sex club and then be there and feel like, oh, I don't really know why this doesn't feel like we wanted it to feel. So from that, I created this idea. It's called the before and after sessions. And it's basically aimed at helping people prep for a sex club and then digest after the sex club. And it's aimed all towards sort of the sense of like, how do we create rituals, intentions, and a deep, deep connection as you enter into this world of like extreme adult fun adventure play and be able to really navigate that with grace and with fun and a, a real understanding and a deep connection with your partner. And that grew out of wanting to do something that was a little, a little less serious than, than working with performance struggles because sex clubs are meant to be fun. And oftentimes people have a really, really great time in them if they're properly prepared to go. Well, I am excited to hear more. So it seems like you've done an international sex club. Like yes. it seems like you went abroad to sex clubs in Paris. Paris Is it from mm -hmm. Paris? Yeah, yeah. Parisian. And in San Francisco. So I feel like you have a good idea of the differences and what's happening. Yeah. So I know some of our listeners, they've never been to sex clubs before. So right. if you haven't been to a sex club, what are some of the things that you can expect? What does it feel like? What does it look like? Right. So I think one of the main things that people, there's so many things to expect and things to, to look forward to and understand. And I do think there is a little preparation that you want to do whenever you're considering going to a sex club. You want to research the club. You want to check out their rules ahead of time. So every club most likely will have a list of rules, of consent rules, things they're sort of expecting, guidelines they're expecting you to follow. And you want to just really make sure you read those over and you feel clear about them. If you're not, you can always call the club, talk to people about how they make it safe and consensual for everyone. And I think the biggest misconception is that if you go to a sex club, that you're going to be forced to have sex with someone or you'll have to have sex with someone. And what's really true is that most couples and people who go 
don't, they kind of go as a voyeur, which is mostly just watching. Sex clubs often have areas where people aren't taking their clothes off or aren't doing anything necessarily like related, just connecting. And then there's areas where clothes come off and you're always welcome in those spaces. As long as you're respectful, you can definitely watch, you can touch yourself. All of those things are welcome in those specific areas, but often there is a like sex optional area or a clothes optional area where that would be where the eroticism is, is more taking place directly. But some bigger clubs have dance floors. They have all sorts of different things. So it's just like a, a regular club that someone might go to to go dance and listen to a DJ. And it includes a special space where adults can play however they feel is, is sexy for them. How is it different than swinging parties in a way? Because that they seem similar. They sound similar. Right. Right. So they are very, very similar. I think the main difference is most swinging parties, you get an invite typically because you would know someone. So there's a little bit of a feel of like, oh yeah, that person invited me or that was the email list. And that was the person who sent the email that comes out. Sex clubs are much more anonymous for the most part, unless you go with people or you happen to go often and you see frequent people. But in general, there's this level of sort of like, like no one really knows you experience as well as Depending on the swingers type party that you're going to, there's also individuals, not just couples. Most sex clubs will have certain nights. They could have like costume party nights or mask party nights or certain themes. There could be nights where single men are allowed or nights where they're not. And so those are one of the things you always want to look at too before picking a club is just like, what night are you going on? And making sure that that night feels sexy for you and also feels safe for you. I think it's but they are very, very similar to, to the swingers parties for sure. So it sounds like it's a more of a, it could be more of an exclusive experience or a twist on a type of entertainment, right? Because somebody right. has a, like a swinging party in their house, unless it's super high end, they don't have a good DJ. Right. There's that big part. Yeah. Absolutely. And swinging parties, the truth is they just don't happen all the time where sex clubs, depending which, you know, which city you're in are pretty much open regular, maybe not on the holidays per se, but you know, they're open most of the time. So you can go just like, oh, it's 10 o'clock and I'm feeling like that would be fun. You can go versus a swingers party most likely would be planned pretty far in advance. And also for kind of finding things in like one's area, if someone is mm -hmm. interested to go to a sex club, and I'm sure they're similar to restaurants, they have all different qualities, right? That right. How we do know, how can we decide that we are choosing the right cuisine for ourselves as far as the type of a restaurant? that we're going to. Right. I think that's a really, really interesting one. And I spend a lot of time with couples in our, in our before sessions, sort of discussing what ambiance feels good for them. In France, they have, or in Europe, they have sex saunas as well as sex clubs. So a sex sauna is just like going to the spa, essentially, but there are people having sex in certain spaces and it's co-ed, which in the US, most of the time, spaces like that are not co-ed. And what's great is that you already have your clothes off. And so there's not that sort of sometimes hesitation moving into the erotic spaces where it's like, oh, I'm going to take my clothes off. That can feel a little daunting for some people. And then it can also be sexier because you're sort of all walking around with your clothes off and getting to see each other and enjoying each other's bodies. 
But I think what's a little bit tricky is that when we go to sex clubs, it's like you never really, you never know who's going to be there. It's just like a bar, essentially, or a restaurant. And so there can be a feel. And I think that's more important to go with to look through the pictures, you would just Google whatever your location is, they're most likely just going to be in bigger cities. And then you put in sex club and they'll pop up and you want to just look through and see like, does that ambiance look sexy for me? Do I feel like I could relax in there? And know that it's going to be more like the cuisine is essentially the people who are there. (laughs) And so that's going to be different every single time you go. And there's really no way to necessarily determine that because I think a lot of people, when they think of sex clubs, they think specifically of like the way people look and no one's going to be turned away for the way that they look. And so there needs to be, I think a lot of going to sex clubs is setting an expectation of like, what what is it going to be like when we get there? And what's most likely that you're going to see an array of people of all body shapes, sizes, and people into varied interests. And so it doesn't mean you have to be attracted to every single person in the club. And I think that goes back to one of our original questions or the original comments I was making is like, you do not have to consent to do anything with anyone that you are not comfortable doing. And so having a very strong no and discussing, it's a lot of also what I do in the before sessions. It's like discussing the fantasy that we have about going to the sex club together as a couple and discussing what we think our boundaries are and the agreements that we want to make so that we go into it together, sort of saying like, yeah, if we met a couple, it'd be cool if we kissed them or yeah, I'm open to oral sex or I'd be open to just like whatever happens. There's an agreement going in that each person is holding together and knowing that at any point, if you're not comfortable, you can say, no, this doesn't feel right. And and it would be expected in pretty much any sex club, I would say in at least the the westernized world that if that word be something you would say that everyone's hands would go up everyone would pull back that it would not be seen as a big deal it would just be like oh okay we're gonna stop going in a different direction well i i think it's really important kind of like highlighting what you said about kind of setting expectation because right. i can see that there are so many different barriers that might get no way of a couple specifically if they go into the club to for them to have a good time because right. maybe one of them going back to the cuisine kind of metaphor they like the food and you don't and there can be all sorts of even buried emotion around jealousy frustration all of that that can show up and and in reality even for women who are going to regular clubs right that people are approaching them they're grabbing their hand there is some kind of like kind of violation in a way at times and i and i know that in sex positive communities and and sex clubs are more even more mindful of that how would that look like so if you're not interested in and someone is pursuing you what are some of the systems in place for safety of course every place is different but what have been some of the experiences you had around that well one of the things i can say is that there are often times like bouncers or people standing around the club to check for safety. And if you look uncomfortable, they may come and check in on you to see. It is, I would say it's going to be fairly rare that someone is going to pursue you. And that's what I'm saying. It's really important, strong no. And so you want to make sure that you feel comfortable saying like, oh, I'm flattered or thank you, but no, thank you. Or just flat out, no, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. I would have a really hard time imagining that someone in this environment would just grab your hand or ever just grab your ass 
unless it was your partner, someone you knew, that would never, I, I would be shocked if that happened. And if, and if anyone in the club saw that happening, that person would probably be asked to leave. And you should let a person know, the bartender, anyone that works at the club, that that person just grabbed you and you did not consent to that because that is a sexual violation. And so I think that's where this piece of like, do you have your no? Can you feel your no? Do you feel good about protecting yourself and saying what you're interested in, not interested in? And most likely people are going to ask you. They might say hi or start to flirt with you and write that in there. If you're not interested, you can just say, thank you. I'm not interested. And most people in those environments will, it will be no big deal. It's expected that you are going to say yes or say no. And it's not, it's not, it's not so highly aggressive as it might seem sometimes like in, in the club situations just because there's people watching to protect you. And what is true is women are definitely sought after more than men. So more often than not, the man is pushing to, in, in heteronormative relationships, the man's pushing to go to the sex club. He's really excited. It'll, he's He has this whole idea of the fantasy of what's going to happen. And what's true is most likely his female partner is going to be the one that is going to be getting most of the attention. <laughs> so. so if any uh, in a heterosexual couples, they have women have hesitation. <laughs> that, right. that is something to look forward to. And it, it's important important to talk about it. I would imagine that you, you coach people prior and after to kind of work through those things and what shows up. Because at times, even there are protection, even that you talk about it, there might have been some emotions, some things that you want to kind of talk about and process with your partner. So as far as asking for consent, so we talked about what not to do, but how, what is customary as far as asking for consent in those spaces? I would say most of the time, what it looks like is that you will be there, you're either alone or with your partner, and you'll start to first watch another person. Watch them moving. You'll make lots of eye contact. There'll probably be some smiles. And oftentimes it's pretty obvious, like when someone wants to interact, like they'll make multiple eye contacts. Sometimes they may, if they're in the middle of something, just wave you over like, Hey, you want to come join us? We're in the middle of enjoying this thing. Come join us. But it's, it's, it's often very obvious. And if you are not welcomed there, of course, like you would, that would, if you sort of misread the signs for some reason, someone would just let you know that. And it would be, again, not necessarily a big deal, but typically there is sort of like a nod, a conversation. And then there, there can be just a quick bit of like, are you okay with this? What are you guys interested in? Would you like to try this? And often sort of a checking in all along the way. Are you interested in that? Would that be fun? Just little like snip snippets just to confirm with the other person. What about SDI protection? I know that's also something right. that gives people lots of pause. They're excited about this. Perhaps right. they had other similar experiences with the partner. I, I would imagine there is an additional level of risk versus someone that like you, you, the couples that you play with in the past would be different than someone that, that's a stranger. What are some of the things you recommend around that? Yeah. I mean, anytime you're having sex with another, a new person, there is always a risk of STIs or STDs. I think people who are going to go play in these environments really want to have a conversation within their partnership and with themselves around their level of risk comfort. And if there's a zero level of risk comfort, then I would say maybe there's no, I mean, I think most people aren't necessarily worried about oral herpes, but kissing can transfer herpes. I mean, there's all sorts of STIs. So it's, it's sort of like deciding what sex acts you're willing to engage in based on the amount of risk. You know, are you okay with hands or mouths and just not intercourse, all of those things. And again, I think it's really just a personal choice of feeling what you're comfortable with because 
Even you can definitely ask people, do when was the last time you were tested? Do you have your test papers with you? That's not typically happening at sex clubs, especially in the sex saunas, because people are not wearing anything. And you, again, it's just the the pop the the random populations. So you don't exactly know what is true. I do think it's important if you do have intercourse or you have any concerns after going somewhere to be tested a couple of weeks later, just to make sure, especially if you're in a non-monogamous dynamic, you're not passing that along. And of course, letting everybody know that if you're in a non-monogamous dynamic that you did that and you had sex with a new person so they can make decisions too for their safety. But it is it is a real piece and some people are more okay with taking that risk and others are absolutely not. And I think it's also goes to level of kind of like risk taking as you mentioned that people are comfortable with because I think that sometimes people think this particular kind of thing is like if you have less partner then you're safer like or you're having safe sex it could be yeah. but in reality i feel like the, every situation that we are there are certain level of risk unless you're right. in a very very traditional kind of like you're your partner's first partner and there has been no experiences okay maybe that that is the situation that's the safest but right. most people for most of the activities we do there is a certain level of risk it's just a matter of as you mentioned kind of being informed about how much are you comfortable with taking risks right. and what would be the kind of treatment after what would look like if it's required but also it's my experience that many people who are active in sexual scenes are mindful of a kind of right. like uh, testing all sorts of things because when you like something you take care of it when you like sex <laughs> you want to make sure that you are in a good condition for it right right it doesn't feel good to have sex if you have an sti like that doesn't feel good so if you're wanting to go and enjoy and have fun you're gonna want everything to feel right so <laughs> well Thomas, you mentioned that for you you felt that disconnected afterward what was the right. reason for you right so it was more in I'm thinking back to the experience that prompted this creation of of a way of working with people. And it's such an interesting thing what where I ended up moving into and has been really, really helpful is that I think sex sex clubs, even though in that experience we weren't even with other couples. We were watching other couples and there was some really fun, sexy people there. Had they were coming and going and but there was just this feeling of I couldn't quite connect with my partner. And he and he also really felt the same way too. It's like, we just couldn't quite find that rhythm, that deeper place that was really very, very always quite easy for us to find. And so one of the things we started to play around with was like, okay, what could we change? What needs to change for us to go into these environments so that we can still maintain our deep connection? And the place that we've landed on that's been the most helpful and been really helpful for other couples is creating a really creating this ritual around what helps us connect. So one of the things that I really like is pieces of jewelry or something that you can touch while you're in the event that that was put onto you by your partner with an intention. So, you know, you're in an environment, you're even just in the restroom, you can touch that if it's a collar or some sort of bracelet or something that's on your body that you can sort of, okay, yeah, that's us. Like we had this intention. I think that's one really, really good example. If it's certain things you want to say, if it's taking time to just look into each other's eyes, if it's just a way of really solidifying on a nonverbal level, this deeper connection that you're going in with, because I, I do think that's why most couples go. It's to have fun and adventure, but it's also to really deepen and have this crazy, wild, amazing experience together. 
And I think we don't talk enough about like, how do we really create that when we go into these hypersexualized environments? Absolutely. Again, the intention, as you mentioned, is for most couples are kind of bringing excitement, positive things into relationships, just a matter of fine tuning aspects of it to help them to have the experiences that would cultivate and create those emotions. Well, tell us about how can people find you? Because it seems like that is the service that you offer. Yeah. So the easiest way to find me is at keelyrankin.com. And on there, you can find my contact form and a bunch of different things on there that people might be interested in. And you can also find me through Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Okay, excellent. So I would imagine there are resources there for people that they can kind of find clubs if they're interested in or learn more about you and this journey. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This was delightful. And I personally learned a few new things. So thank you for your time. And hopefully we'll have you back in future. Yeah, and I do have a special actually course for your podcast listeners if they go to my website keelyrankin.com backslash podcast they'll find access to a mini course that is really exciting that i'm just in the process of recording so awesome awesome so we'll we'll leave a link to it in the show notes and thank you so much thank you I hope you guys found the conversation today helpful and gave you some ideas on what are some of the things you need to consider if you're choosing to go to a sex club with your partner. And also, I think the good place to start would be sharing this interview with your partner and kind of thinking about what are some of the things that they're curious about, what are some of the things that they might not be interested in. And I really liked when Kelly talked about creating rituals. I'm big in rituals. I it helps people to focus on the intention that they're setting. And it helps especially couples to remain connected during the sexual experiences. At the end, again, I just wanted to remind you that if you haven't signed up for the workshop, this week is your last opportunity. I hope that I see you inside the class. If you already taken the course, let me know what was your experience in the past so I can improve it for this round. We got lots of good reviews last time we launched it, but I'm always into improving the content because it's my passion to help couples improve their sex life. Anyhow, I hope that you guys have a fantastic week and I will see you next week right here. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.